I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me now to the book of Romans and chapter 3 and chapter 6 as well. Romans chapter 3 and Romans chapter 6. Um, Marty mentioned that um, it takes a lot of courage to get up here and do all this. Indeed it does. I have come to learn that uh, Satan does everything he can not uh, to prohibit uh, the gospel for being proclaimed clearly. He is at work even now to distract you and me so that our mind will be wandering somewhere else and not hear the truth of the gospel. And uh, so I invite us to begin with prayer, seeking the presence of the Holy Spirit, and that the Word of God would penetrate our soul and our heart and bring us the good news of the gospel. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you, Father, for the strength and courage to proclaim your Word and that Satan and his efforts will be defeated in this hour and will not be successful, uh, that he will be cast out from this place so that every word we speak will be the Word of God and that the good news of the gospel will penetrate our hearts and uh, bring us a, 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 a new season of growth in our relationship with you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all who agreed said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. The Apostle Paul reminded us that we have this treasure in earthen vessels. And uh, nothing's more, and I'm getting more earthy all the time, I think, uh, but nothing is more earthy than to have to proclaim the gospel to, uh, to a crowd, and it's my opportunity to do that even now. And I want to read from chapter 3 of Romans, verse 23, and then chapter 6 and verse 23 as well. Because today we're going to look at defeating sin. Uh, defeating sin in our life. It is a constant companion of every believer. Because the Apostle Paul spoke about this uh, war that we have within us that uh, wants to distract us from doing what is right. And we have this urge, we have this pull within us uh, that's called a spiritual battle. And it's a spiritual battle against the evil forces of this world. And that spiritual battle is taking place all the time. And the longer you serve the Lord, the closer you walk with Him, the greater that battle is. Because Satan wants to continue to defeat you, and he wants to try to shame you and blame you and destroy you. But the good news is, Christ came to die for you. Christ came that you might have eternal life, and that you might have abundant life, and that you might have it completely and fully as you walk in faith uh, with Him. Now, as you live your life, you're going to find there are two inescapable truths that you have to face. As you live this life, there are two inescapable truths that you have to face. One is death. We all face it. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. And the second truth we have to face and deal with is called the judgment of God. And you want to be prepared for that day of judgment. And if he asks you, why should I let you in my holy heaven? You need to have an answer. And that answer needs to be because of Christ. And what Jesus did for us when he died on the cross. So in Romans chapter 3, we have a definition of sin. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short, fallen short, fallen short, of the glory of God. 
Now, how is that a definition of sin? Well, on Wednesday nights, uh, Alex leads a target practice with arrows, bows and arrows. And uh, if you're not involved with that, you're one of the children of our church, you are welcome to participate in that. But I like to watch the students as they get a hold of that bow and arrow and they stretch it as far as they can and they let it go and they always miss the target. They always fall short. That's the definition of sin. Sin is aiming at a target and missing it. Falling short of the glory of God. Aiming for a target and yet falling short. Missing it. That's the definition of sin. Now, that includes all of us. All of us have dealt with this thing called sin and fall short of God's expectations of you and me. And having fallen short, we need help. And that help comes from the grace of Almighty God demonstrated for us on the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it is the grace of God that forgives us of our sin. It is the grace of God that covers our sin. It is the propitiation, the the sacrifice of Christ on the mercy seat of the cross that pays the price of our sin. In chapter 6 and verse 23, the Bible says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Sin is a word we don't hear much about these days. In fact, uh, in our day and time, I don't know that anybody ever writes about it, speaks about it, teaches about it, unless you go to church. And there's a lot of churches that don't preach about this doctrine of sin, which is what I want us to focus on today. Back in 1973, Carl Menninger wrote a book. He's a psychiatrist called Whatever Happened to Sin. Uh, Anybody ever read that book? Whatever happened to sin? If you haven't had a copy of that, get a copy of it. It might be in our library, but uh, I'm not sure if it is or not, but check it out and begin to read it because what he's saying in the book is simply this. We have lost the meaning of the term sin and we have substituted, we have substituted something in its place. And that's why we don't hear about the word sin in, anymore. What we've substituted for sin we call victimization we've been victimized or we call it a syndrome somebody has a syndrome or we call it some kind of illness that a person has or we call it some kind of addiction anything short any definition of sin that's short of taking responsibility for what I have done and the sin the things I've done wrong is what has happened in our society today And so you don't hear that definition nowadays. You don't hear that word sin anymore. We have a lot of substitutes that release us from the responsibility of our sin. But the Bible teaches me that I am responsible for my sin. I will be held accountable for my sin. And I'm going to die a death, and after that death, I'm going to face a judgment. And that judgment is going to be the mercy seat of Christ and facing God and Him asking me, why should I let you into my holy heaven? And the only response I have is to plead the cross. Because it is the cross of Jesus Christ that has paid the definition, the price of my sin. 
Christ himself embraced the wrath of God when he died on the cross. Christ himself assumed the very wrath of holy God for all the sin of the world. Not just one or two people, but for all the sin of the world. Uh, some of you have seen the movie about the sacrifice of Christ. Uh, Mel, not Mel Brooks, but Mel Gibson wrote, uh, uh, created that film. And, and you see the horror uh, of the price of sin that Christ paid uh, when he suffered, when he was beaten, and when he was crucified on that cross. Every whiplash was a payment for my sin. Every ounce of energy that he gave and continued to absorb into his body was the payment for my sin. And so the truth today is we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But the truth also is that because Christ came and demonstrated his love for us, we do not have to pay that price of sin. We are freed from the guilt of that sin. And we are given a new life. We are recreated by the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us now, not because we are holy, but because He makes us holy by living in us when we invite Him to be our Savior and to be our Lord. And folks, that's the good news. And that's the only truth that is worth preaching about today is that we can be forgiven of our sin, set free from the consequence of our sin because of the sacrifice of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. I love to speak not only about a definition of sin, but I want to talk a little bit about how the gospel has defeated our sin. How has the gospel defeated our sin? When Christ died for you and me on the cross, He gave Himself to sacrifice for our sin. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And if you will trust and believe in the gospel, you are set free from this penalty from this consequence of sin. The question is, have you trusted Christ to forgive you of sin? Have you asked Him to be your Lord and to be your Savior? Have you invited Him to come into your heart and your life and to rule and to reign and to take charge of your life? When you do that, you and I are set free of sin. Apostle Paul puts it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says very clearly, O grave, where is your victory now? O death, where is your sting now? Uh, I, I had a um, deacon in my church one time. He liked to uh, catch me on something, you know, unaware. And he'd say, ninny, ninny, boo, boo. And I'd say, well, you know, he's just um, picking on me. And I think when Christ was raised from the dead, he said to the devil, ninny, ninny, boo, boo. Where is your sin stain now? Where is your, the sting of death and the sting of sin? It has been conquered by the resurrection of our Savior and our Lord Jesus the Christ. I like to go to a great book of the Bible to understand how God sets us free from sin. It's the book of Psalms in chapter 51. And I want to read to you just a few verses there that speak about this cleansing from sin that we have through the blood of Jesus Christ. The psalmist cries out unto the Lord, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. 
The grace of God and the power of the gospel has the ability to set us free and to make us completely clean so that we no longer have a guilty conscience. Our conscience is clean before the Lord. Clean because of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you and for me when he died on the cross. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And then he says, renew a steadfast spirit in me. Lord, give me the courage to do what I need to do. Give me the strength to take those steps of faith that I need to take. Give me, Father, the courage to stand up and tell the whole world what my future is going to be, my hopes and my dreams uh, that are founded on the path of Christ my Savior and my Lord. Father, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, be my strength. Uh, Lord, be my courage. Lord, be my hope. Lord, be my future. God, be my tomorrow. And we stand on that hope. And we trust Christ as our Savior and our Lord. In verse 11, he says, Do not cast away from me your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. It is the very Holy Spirit of God that cleans us and dwells in us and strengthens us for the journey of following Jesus and being a faithful disciple of Him. And then in verse 12, he says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Now here we come to a, an, a, a kind of crisis in our life when we've been faithful to the Lord and there have been distractions in our life that have turned us away from the Lord and we have lost the excitement of being a child of God. We become disgruntled. Uh, we join the grumbling, the crumbling, the grumbling crowd. Uh, we join the gossip crowd. We, be, we become saturated with ourselves. And anytime we put ourselves back on the throne, we find an unhappiness. We find an emptiness. And the Father says, I want to restore your joy. I, I want to come back in and replace that joy that you had so that you will be as happy as you were the first day you got saved. And I'll never forget the first day I was saved as a nine-year-old kid. And when I came to the Lord, I thought everybody had changed, but they hadn't changed. I had changed, and I saw the world differently, and I had a joy in my heart. And Lord, I want to keep that joy going, and I want to keep that joy of my salvation growing in Christ Jesus as my Savior and Lord. But it's sin that pulls me back. It's sin, it's the lure, it's the temptation of sin that keeps pulling me back. The word for lure in the New Testament is simply meaning a bait. And Satan knows what lure you like. He knows what tempts you. He, he knows you better than you know yourself. And he will put in your path day after day a lure, a temptation of some kind that will hook you because you are looking for the pleasure of this world to return your joy instead of the Savior of this world that can only restore your joy. And sustain me, he says, with a willing spirit. I want to do what's right. I want to live righteously. I want to live pleasing to the Lord. And then he goes on to say, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. I had a nephew one time who told me that he read that very passage of Scripture and decided that he really was not a Christian. He read that passage, he studied Psalm 51, and he decided that he had never really truly 
uh, asked Christ to wash him of his sin and to take charge of his life, transform his world, and use him for the glory of God. And he decided to let Christ do that. And once he decided to let Christ do that, he was baptized. Uh, kind of shocked me because I knew he'd been baptized as a youngster, but as an adult, 41 years old, he said, I'm giving my life for the first time to Christ. And it may be today that this is your day. Today is your day of salvation to give your life to Christ and let him take charge and to be the Lord of your life. When you do that, you're entering into the process of sanctification. Now, there are two big theology words we want to hold on to here today. One's called justification, and the other's called sanctification. Justification is what happens when you believe in Christ as your Savior and Lord, invite Him into your life, and the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in you. You are made justified before God, just as if you had never sinned. You are made holy and made right with God. When you confess your sin, when you give your life to Christ, and you really trust Him to be your Lord and be your Savior, you are justified before God. From that day forward, you are continuing in what we call sanctification, meaning that God is using the circumstances of your life to mold you and to make you more like His Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it could be the very challenge you're facing right now is the challenge that the Holy Spirit has given to you so that you will make the right decision and you will do what pleases the Lord more than anything else in, in the world. And when you do that, you become more like the Christ, more like Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. And so we grow in sanctification as we follow Christ faithfully as our Lord and our Savior. So remember the gospel today. Number one, God loves you. God loves you. If you don't hear me say anything else today, hear me say this. God loves you. And He loves you so much that He will not leave you in your sin, but He would die for you and take your place on the cross. As we read in the scripture earlier today from the book of Romans, rarely would a good man die for another man. But Christ came and died for the ungodly. He died for you. He died for me. But God demonstrates His love for us. He didn't just say, uh, you know, I love you. Good luck down there. He came to say, I want to demonstrate my love for you. He demonstrates His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sin. So do you understand that God loves you? Do you agree with God that you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Do you understand that the wages of sin is death, something that we all must face? But do you also understand that Christ died for our sins so that we don't have to die? He who believes in me, Jesus said, will never die. You will live forever because you belong to him. And then fifthly, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whosoever believes in the Lord will not be put to shame. Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is that you? Is that your case? Is that your decision today? Well, if it is, I want to invite you to come while we sing this song now. And we're going to celebrate your decision today that you're going to give your life to Christ and receive you into the fellowship of our church. And we'll set up a time that we can be baptized. All right, would you stand together in prayer, please?
Our Father, we thank you that we have victory over sin because Christ was victorious over the cross. Death did not reign over him, but he reigned over death. And now we have the victory. Father, we thank you for that victory. May we claim the gospel of Jesus as our plan of salvation. Salvation is found in no other name except the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. I pray there will be a person come this morning saying, I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm ready to follow through in baptism. I pray there will be another that will come to unite with our church from the sister church. We ask, Father, that you'll be glorified in the decisions that are made today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You, too, can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Ekron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Ekron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.